I like to start the class with a Bible verse that relates to our topic. Um, this is from Leviticus 19, verse 32. Rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. So, um, that is what we are talking about this week. Um, I am going to be talking specifically about um, med management. Um, Jeff is going to follow up talking about pain. Um, I've asked him to please dumb it down for the audience because he teaches at Lipscomb in the pharmacy to the pharmacy students there and also to the nursing students and the PA students. And um, so you, you only get, get one hour of pharmacy school credit for today. <laughs> so that only leaves you about 4,000 hours short. But you can drop that at your next conversation. Yeah, when I was in pharmacy school, <laughs> this is what they said. So, um, just a quick, just to start off, just a really quick, um, just FYI, I know. This is a decision tree basically for um, providers, MDs, who are prescribing narcotics. Just FYI, if you didn't know, there's a huge opioid epidemic in this country. Um, Tennessee's number one, by the way. Woohoo, we we're number one. Per capita than any other state in the country. Yes, we're not, we're number one something. I do know that one of the members of the class that's typically in here has talked to me about how her mother um, was addicted. Most people don't even know it. So this is the state's way to get a handle on that. Um, you you know, anytime you got your wisdom teeth pulled out or a knee, they, they just give you the narcotics. Heart procedures, I've had a friend tell me I was on Tylenol, pain control, before I even left the hospital, came home with, you know, 60 pills of narcotics. I didn't want them, I didn't need them, but you've got them. Well, not anymore. They're really cracking down on it. Um, they will only give you like a three, uh, you can only get like a three-day um, prescription when you leave. Uh, I, I don't even know all the details. Just just to show you, uh, they're really cracking down on it. I will tell you that I went to, um, probably not a problem with most of our aged people, but the reason the heroin ac ac uh, epidemic is so bad is because one of these pills can cost you a whole lot of money. You can go out on the street and get a shot of heroin for cheap, five, cheap, cheap, cheap. cheap. So um, just be aware, narcotic addiction is a thing, it's a huge problem, it can happen in the elderly, be aware of it. Um, I've heard stories of, you know, uh, grandma had her, you know, you just keep it just in case. You keep your narcotics in your medicine uh, cabinet just in case. You know, you had them from that knee replacement, whatever. Um, the story goes, the grandson was out on the farm and he did something, I don't know, and it's like, oh, I can, I've got some of those narcotics I can give you. First of all, uh, do not ever share medicines with other people. You're not supposed to. It's a big no-no. Um, she went in to get those narcotics that she knew she had because her grandson was hurting with the knee pain and needed it. Guess what? I believe it was a housekeeper had already, who knows when, uh, sw swapped them out for some, you know, generic Tylenol or something, had taken those narcotics out. It is a huge thing. If you have young people in your home, 
it is a huge, if you have young people's friends in there, there's stories of, you know, somebody had to go back and apologize. It's a member in this church. Um, I'm sorry, when I was in your home with your son, my friend, um, I stole the narcotics out of your medicine cabinet. Um, don't keep them. Use them for what they're for and get rid of them. Um, okay, so medic med medication errors. Again, who was in first service? Balcony, my balcony people? Okay. Um, this is what I took away. I know it's Jesus the Passion Week, but uh, what was the story that Josh told? His friend lost the girlfriend. I forget the tie-in, but why? A medication error. He took it. I was like, ah, you're talking to me. It's my class. Um, I just pulled this off. The most common causes of medication errors. Poor communication between your doctors, as Jeff has said multiple times, who is a doctor, they don't talk to one another. There's not poor communication, there is zero communication. You're the, we, if, <laughs> they don't if, talk. If we are not in the same healthcare system, we do not talk because everyone's so afraid of HIPAA, they will not talk. And even if you are, I'm in the Vandy system, I use all Vandy doctors. Um, you know, it's one of those you can't see the tree for the four or the whatever it is. It's like there's just so much information. Nobody has time to sit and read a 30-page report or to see. It's just, just trust me. They do not communicate. You need, that. You will hear this from me again and again and again. You need to know what your medicines are. Who, what, when, where, why. Know it. You need to know your own medicines and be your own advocate because, thanks, Karen, um, because your doctors are not on top of it. Um, poor communication between you and your doctors. And now here's the thing. Every person, every, every time I am in home health care, I'm required to do a med reconciliation. Um, I really love my job and I love home health because when you get in the home, I, I don't go, I have a list sometimes um, from the doctor or the facility that just discharged you that is required to give you a med, a med list when you are discharged. Many of them don't. Um, it, um, everyone is required to do a med rec. Typically what happens is you go to your doctor, they'll show you a list. Maybe they'll say them name by name. Probably not because there's too big of a list. Are you still taking all these meds? Is this still what you're taking? Are there any changes? And you look at it, and it's overwhelming. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a med rec. Not in my mind, that's not. I will tell you, personal experience, this week, I went with my in-laws. Please don't be listening. Um, to, to be with them at the doctor. The nurse asked my mother-in-law, is this everything the same? Is this what he's taking? Yes, yes, yes. I wrote down her comments. The doctor comes in, they start talking about, oh, this medicine. And she, well, he's not taking that twice a day. He's only taking it once a day. Oh, and the, this medicine? Oh, oh, yeah, he's got the, oh, no, yeah, I also give him the pill every year. And I'm like, okay. And then, and, we, and then we're talking about making a medicine change at the appointment. So it's like that list at the doctor is only as good as what, the patient is telling them, okay, what's really happening in the home. Um, my handout this week, it's on the back table if you want it. It's one that I created that has a lot, uh, 
Yeah, of course I created it. I think it's a better one. You can get a million of these online, but it's like there's not enough room to write the name. There's not, this is on there and this isn't on there. Who, what, when, where, why? Um, and important information for me. Um, uh, drug names that sound alike, we all know that. Medications that look alike. Sat down with my in-laws this very week and I was like, come on. She, she didn't want me to. Stay out of my business. I was like, but I was there. He made changes. Can we just make sure that what you... And it's like, uh, you know, the one taking the medicine is, well, it's that little white, the little round white pill. Guess what? He has two, a small white pill and a tiny white pill. Could I make it any more difficult? Two very tiny, small, white, round pills. Totally different medications. You need to know what they are. And guess what? Two small, white, oval pills. <laughs> okay? So you really need to know what they are. They're imprinted with information that... It, I just can't tell you how important it is. Med errors, they're huge. Uh-huh, yeah, go ahead. Sometimes you get medications, manufacturers are different. Uh -huh. Pills look different. It's also a problem. Be sure you ask, is this the same medicine? Or isn't it sometimes, well, there's one time I've got a completely different medication. It's true. Um, <clears throat> this is something else that happened this week too. It turned out it was okay, but um, they'll typically put a thing on there and it says, you know, a label that's along with the other six labels on there, you know, don't take it with this, do to take it, it's okay to refrigerate it, blah, blah, blah. It's too much information. Um, and they'll say that uh, this this one may look different than last time, this time, and, and if you look on the bottle, it, 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 it will say small, white, round and the imprint is MZ94 or something. I mean, it's written on the bottle. We actually were doing uh, this with my in-laws this week and I was like, and I looked it up and I was like, let's just make sure. Can I just also say that? Don't, don't be changing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just put those aspirins in that bottle. Cause <laughs> yeah, do not dump your, do don't. Not dump the, and don't let your parents dump the new prescription in the old bottle. All right, so what the pill in the bottle was not matching up. You can look it online. Drugs.com has a great thing. You know, you put in there, it's white, it's round, it's imprinted with this. What is the pill? And um, we looked it up, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is not. And so we went back to the pharmacy, and what had happened, it was on their end. They got a new provider or whatever, and they did not change it in their computer. They printed off the old label, and it was like, okay, it was the right medicine, <laughs> bottom line. But it's like, even they make mistakes, you've got to check, double-check, recheck again. Um, so what are the things you can do? Um, keep an up-to-date list, okay? I just think this is a great form, the one that I created. Um, get copies of it. I can make more. Um, Store them in their original containers. That's what I'm talking about. When I go to somebody's home and I pour them out and there's like at least three, four, five. Oh, well, I went on vacation and I just wanted, you know, all of my things in there. I've heard all the stories. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, okay. This is a thing for me. It's a curse and a blessing, the, the, medic, the med planner. It is great for if you've got somebody on top of it that's putting, it in, putting them in there. 
It is great for the daily, just do it all for a week ahead of time and then you're not opening three, five, seven bottles every time you need to take your medicine, right? You've put them all in there ahead of time. The bad part, I will say, or the flip side is, like us, I mean, we wanted to go check. We've got all these pills in a thing. What are they? Do you know what they are? It's very difficult to tell what they are once you put them in the med planner. So if you've messed up or there's a change, you know, I need to take the little round white one out and put this new one that he ordered. That's hard. So just know that. Um, use the same pharmacy so you're not getting stuff from all different places. Um, when you pick up a prescription, check the one that that's, that's what you actually ordered. That's what Jan was talking about. Don't share medicines. Uh, I know it happens. And get rid of all of your old medications. I'm huge on that. I mean, we all do it. It's like I've got this old cough medicine and this old blah, 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 and this crayon. I got this for this, and it didn't work, so I just stuck it in there. If you look in your medicine cabinet, um, there's probably so much stuff there that needs to be gotten rid of. There are, I can't, I can't as a medical professional, I can't say throw it in the trash. Yes. does it all the time. Um, there are drop boxes. They're 24 hours. They're in the lobby at uh, Brentwood City Hall. There's one at Walgreens on Old Hickory and Edmondson Pike. Um, get rid of it, especially those narcotics that you don't know who is in your home, house cleaners, your kids, your kids' friends. Just don't, just don't have it. Just don't have it, and then it's not a, a temptation. Um, okay, oh, that's my... Yeah, and you go ahead. Laurie has probably said this to you, and you, know, you may have talked about it here, but just when you were talking about the little things, you know, medicine dispenser, uh -huh, uh -huh. Do, has she told you about the one that she got on Amazon, Laurie Netterville, for her mom? And it is a, um, Laurie loads it up, but it is locked, and it when it's time for her mom to take her medicine, it says, time to take your medicine, time to take your medicine, and it does, and it says that for a certain amount of time, and then once her mom goes, the little compartment, you know, will open up at the right time, and then when her mom takes it, it says thank you, and so it that that has. Laurie's mom is still on her own, and they've got all kinds of other stuff in place, but that thing has been. I wanted Laurie to come in one week and talk about it. It might have been this week actually, and I preempted her. Um, <clears throat> Just the different technology things that are out there that are available. Yes, I would love I to hear Amazon, more about that. I think she got them on Amazon, but anyway, I was just... You know, there's different companies that have what they call pill packs that come. It's, you know, it's labeled on there Monday morning. It probably, it can get very complicated when you've got doctors ordering, this one's two times a day, this one's three times a day, this one's, you know, an hour before you eat. Um, I could preach on this all day. A lot of the medicines that older people, I mean, you're an 88-year-old person. You really don't need that daily aspirin that's a preventative thing over a lifetime. That statin that everybody's on, you probably don't need that multivitamin. I'm just the vitamins and the things that it's, it, our bodies are a wonderful, wonderful thing. God has made them, you know, there's, mechanisms and there's backup mechanisms and unless you just really have something you know diabetes where your body does not produce insulin um, there's just a lot of stuff that we take that's just a marketing gimmick um, on the back of this I'll just quickly go over it you can read it but um, uh, 
you know, know the dose versus the strength, okay? So um, there's a difference between the dose and the strength. Uh, brand names versus generic names. Drug allergies versus side effects. I don't know, we do every day. It's like, oh, I'm allergic to this, I'm allergic to that. You know, if you have hives and breathing, that's an allergic reaction, okay? If it makes you feel nauseated, if it gives you diarrhea, those are side effects. Those are not allergies. Um, <clears throat> um, also on this list, you don't have, you know, cold and cough medicines. There's a lot of duplication between I take Tylenol and then I take this cold medicine that's also got three things in it. So you're doubling up on some of that stuff. You've got to know what you're taking. There's a whole list. I mean, you could even add caffeine onto this list. It is a drug. Um, one of my favorite professors from one of my favorite classes, his statement was, we're just, I, I don't think he was a believer. I don't know. I mean, he just said, we're a big bag of chemicals. Every time you add one thing in, you're just changing up the mix. And so I, in this, I just think less is more. I mean, it, it, when you start having all, you get older, you start having more problems with it. You know, I can't get the fluid off. Or I, Every time you add something in, you're just creating this crazy mix of stuff. And um, our bodies are constantly adjusting. We have a wonderful uh, body, but um, anyway, if you want to take as many of those as you want, do it for yourself. I have one for myself in my healthcare notebook. Um, and so Jeff is now going to talk about pain. <laughs> All right, it, in the elderly, pain is a huge <laughs> issue because there are multiple types of pain. This is, by the way, this is me. All, all, all the several titles I get. What is pain? Uh, 1968, McCafferty. Whatever the experiencing person says it is, existing whatever he says it does. That is, most of our parents, that is their definition of pain, right? It's, if it hurts, it's pain. Well, not really. Uh, 1979, the International Association of Societies of Pain actually has the best definition, which everyone kind of uses today. An unpleasant sensory or emotional experience associated with, associated with actual or potential tissue damage and described in terms of such damage. So basically, you have to hurt something to have pain. This, and this is why in Tennessee we are number one in narcotics, is that half 99% of Tennessee runs by this definition. I'm hurting. And they go, oh, let me give you some narcotics. Narcotics work really, really well for certain things. They are really horrible for elderly people. The side effects far and away outweigh the benefits, except in very discreet areas. All right, here's the international classification of pain. Acute pain, unpleasant experience with cognitive, emotional, somatic features that occurs in response to tissue trauma. So basically, an injury and it hurts. And then, this is where everyone gets into trouble. Chronic pain. You have chronic acute pain. Pain existing beyond the expected duration. That's like post-operative pain. People that come, you'd expect, say for an appendix. You'd be sore for 24 to 
30 days. You ought to be pretty good after 30 days. If you come back to your doctor at 60 days and say, oh, my scar still hurts, that would put you in chronic acute pain. That, th those are, you can deal with that. Cancer pain, pain caused by cancer, those are, that's a very discreet group. And that you treat that pain completely different than you treat everything else up here. Uh, chronic, uh, chronic pain with cancer, the, the cancer specialists are very good at treating this pain, and then there are pain specialists out there that work with cancer patients that are very good at treating that pain. That's where we get into uh, uh, palliative care. is a whole specialty of which probably 90% of their pain is cancer pain. And so they, they, do really, they treat that really, really well. And then this is the one that causes all the problems, non-cancer pain. Pain without obvious tissue pathology or out of proportion tissue pathology. That's, I hurt. And if you go to your doctor enough and say, I hurt, I hurt, I hurt. Historically in Tennessee, what happened is he'd go, after about the fourth visit, he'd go, here, have some narcotics. I don't know if this is going to treat your pain, but it will keep you out of my office. Uh, and, you know, side effects of narcotics are they make you sleepy, they give you nausea, and they make you constipated. And then if you're an older guy, you can't pee. Uh, and so you also develop tolerance to them. You can be very confused. Uh, home health is full of stories of elderly people that are prescribed narcotics. And they, they once again, it's another little white pill. And you, you know, I'm supposed to take two little white pills for my blood pressure and one little white pill for my pain. And what they end up taking is three little pain pills and no blood pressure pill. And then someone comes over to visit them and they're laying on the floor. I can tell you how many times I've seen that in the hospital. And then, they, you know, and then that starts the spiral, as Jane will tell you. You fall, you hurt something, you get in the hospital. Hospitals are great at fixing acute things. They're horrible at chronic things. And then they go, oh, now I'm going to put you in a rehab center. And you go to a rehab center. And then after 21 days in the rehab center, because that's the Medicare uh, number, they'll pay for 21 days, uh, they kick you out and send you home. And you come home and home health sees you. And then someone will, during that period of time will have written you narcotics because it, the, the odds are when you fail, you broke something. And so we start the whole cycle over again. And so it's very important when you're dealing with both yourself and your parents, that you understand, it's back to Jane's med management, why are you on the medication and how long are you supposed to be on it? What dose are you supposed to be on? And so, uh, this, so the non-cancer pain is really, really the hard part when you're dealing with pain. Acute pain I do all the time. That's what I do for a living. Uh, and that's pretty easy. Uh, is that what you don't want to do is take this and make it that. And that's what happens a lot, is that people have an event. They break a bone. They have a, have a surgery. Uh, and then the doctor prescribes lots of narcotics for this. And then when they go home, addiction occurs very rapidly with narcotics. Your body is set up so that it will adapt rapidly to narcotics. So you need a bigger, bigger dose. You go home and all of a sudden, what was this is now this. 
This has lots of psychological overlays on it. Uh, my dad is this. He fell in December, broke, broke a wrist, and hurt his back. He has not slept in his bed since December. He, slept, he sleeps in his lazy boy. Because December tried to get in his bed, and his back hurt so bad, he's not tried to get in his bed for three months. And so we're trying to explain to him that that's like not good. He has three first-generation doctors, another generation doctor, pharmacist, three nurses, all of whom tell him it's not good to sleep in your lazy boy. Does he listen to us? No. We're slowly, we're slowly working on getting back into bed. But that, this is the one, and, and a lot of like his generation, he wants a magic pill. Because they were raised, we're told, oh, wait, pharmacy, the pharmacology works. It makes you better. And so he wants a magic pill that makes his back not hurt. And we try to say, well, you have arthritis pain. You're 88 years old. Your back is going to be sore. It's never going to be not hurting. And so this is where you have to be very, very careful as you deal with your parents or your in-laws in that area. <laughs> the medical sensory process, transduction, transmission, perception, modulation. Where we work is in this thing, perception, modulation. When we, do, we talk about pain, I can't do anything about the fact that you got an injury. That's transduction. Transmission is, I can stop these for like acute surgical things. Long term, I can't make your arm numb for six weeks if you tear your shoulder up. So, but I can change perception modulation. And then, if you want the real science, uh, this is all the neurotransmitters that are currently in the sensory system. This is where you get credit for pharmacologies. Uh, and so you can see there are a lot of, uh, so we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different transmitters. Narcotics are only one of those transmitters. So a lot of classic medical teaching was a lot of narcotics and kind of ignore the rest. Uh, in fact, when I went through medical school, the only transmitter we knew about besides the opiates was norepinephrine. Uh, serotonin was known in the brain, it wasn't known peripherally. Everything else has been in the last 25 years. Uh, and so when, you, so when you treat pain, you have lots of choices. And so uh, this is getting back to understanding what medications you're on and especially what medications your parents are on. If they, if they go to the doctor and say, as my dad does, my back hurts. Uh, and so part of that is how do you treat that pain without making him sleepy? Because if you give him narcotics, you know, they're going to be in bed. They're not going to want to get up. They're going to be dizzy. Uh, so you have lots of choices. Uh, narcotics, and this is get, gets back to what Jane was saying, is you have to know the names. Uh, you got morphine, dilaudid, oxycodone, hydrocodone, codeine, and then my favorite, Altram, which is tramadol, that was actually created to be a non-narcotic. Uh, and lo and behold, it turns out to work at the narcotic receptors. And so it was originally non-scheduled, which means you could, they gave it out. Orthopedic surgeons love this drug. They gave it out like water because it was non-scheduled, which means you could call it in. 
uh, and it worked. Uh, it turns out that it works at the narcotic receptor, and, and you can get addicted to it. So it's now scheduled. Uh, but you will find a lot of people when they had joint replacements were given 60 days of Ultram because it's non-narcotic. And my, my patients will say, oh, you know, I take that at night. It's, it's just my sleeping pill. Yeah, narcotics make you sleepy. But that, you know, they don't know that it's a narcotic. Right. They're just like, yeah, I, that's my sleeping pill. Be careful what you call things or know what you're right. calling things. And so and it has the same side effect profile as narcotics. So that's the one. I mean, a lot of people in, you know, in Tennessee, we are, we are the Dilaudid uh, capital of the United States. Everyone loves Dilaudid. Or otherwise, as we in the medical profession call it, the drug that starts with D. Because people walk in the emergency, we, we laugh all the time. They'll walk in and say, what are you allergic to? Well, I'm allergic to morphine. Oxycodone makes me nauseated. Hydrocodone makes me nauseated. And the only drug I can use that when it starts with D. And we're laughing that they should change the name of the drug to the one that starts with D and, and trademark that because that's what everyone asks for. Uh, it's just a narcotic. Uh, it's got the same side effect profile, but everybody loves the drug that starts with D. Uh, and then you have your non-steroidals. Uh, that's how they work, COX-1 and COX-2. Motrin, Advil, Aleve, Toradol, Celebrex. A story about Motrin ibuprofen. Since it's my parents, my dad has an ulcer. As, as we said, he's got multiple medical people in his families. He had a bleeding ulcer in 1990. And they told him, do not take Motrin. And again, he's got back pain. And my mom takes care of his medication. That's a whole other story. It's a whole other lecture. Uh, so, and his back was hurting, uh, he then, without telling, asking any of us, went out and bought his own pain medication. He knew he was not supposed to take Motrin. So, so he bought ibuprofen. And so over he was, the over the counter, it's over the counter, right? And it's safe, right? Safe, totally safe. Uh, he came within about 30 minutes of bleeding to death from his ulcer. Uh, taking the ibuprofen and ended up with a partial gastrectomy at, at St. Thomas probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago. That's my first yeah. nursing school. Yeah, 10 years ago then. Yeah. And, and then, you know, so we, we get to the emergency room, you know, they're asking what medications do you take, right, because they do that. And so my mom whips out his list and walks down, there's nothing on that that causes GI issues. And then my dad goes, yes. He goes, yeah, I'm not, I'm not supposed to take the Motrin. He goes, I've only been taking ibuprofen. <laughs> so three days in the ICU, 100 and some odd thousand dollars in billing because Motrin and ibuprofen are the same drug. And so it, you have to know what your parents and your in-laws are taking. And you've got to talk, just have conversations with them. These are the ones that get people in trouble because of what they do. Uh, same thing as I see people all the time go, I was really hurting. I took my Motrin, it didn't work, so I took my Aleve. And so you're doubling up the same drug. It's a different name, and so it's a different name. So I'm fine, it works the same. And so you have to understand what drugs are in the same classes. Uh, Cetaminophen is actually a COX-3 inhibitor. Uh, Tylenol. Ty and everyone says Tylenol is a safe drug, it is. 
over-the-counter safe. Except it kills your liver if you drink and take Tylenol at the same time. Uh, and it's also the number one uh, teenage girls who want to pretend to suicide, but they just want attention, a lot of them will take Tylenol uh, because it's a safe over-the-counter drug, not realizing that if you take more than four grams, it will kill your liver. And so we have had, there have been multiple uh, Tylenol overdoses, un, you know, because I don't, I don't take a narcotic, that'll kill me. And then they end up with a liver transplant or they die waiting for a liver transplant. So once again, you can overdose on Tylenol. And if, if your parents or in-laws are closet drinkers, alcohol and Tylenol are a really bad combination. Uh, and so that's where you have to, you have to kind of understand what's going on with your, your parents and in-laws. Uh, and then uh, gabapentinoids, which is Lyrica and gabapentin, they work in a whole different uh, pathway. Uh, clonidines, a blood pressure pill, also works for chronic pain. Uh, and then there's ketamine, uh, which hopefully your parents are not on because that's illegal outside the hospital. Uh, however, that's rel easily available on the street, and you'll find people that self-medicate with that. Uh, and then it's going to get worse because the FDA just approved nasal ketamine for acute depression. Uh, but it has to be given in the uh, psychiatrist's office because they realize it's going to get out on the street. And so... They'll give you a prescription. You have to go that. You have to go to the psychiatrist's office where he will administer it, and he has to watch you for 30 minutes after the administration, and then so you can come by three times a week and do that. Uh, but that tells me that I guarantee that'll be on the street in two days after it becomes FDA. After the pharmacists start carrying this, that'll be on the street. Uh, and then you have steroids. You have local anesthetics. Uh, so when, if you're parent or in-law have chronic pain, they're going to be on some combination of this. The key is you want a little of this and a lot more of this. These have side effects, but they're far, far, far fewer than narcotic side effects. And so, part, when, you, so when you're treating pain, you want to make sure that you're treating the whole spectrum. As you can see from the eight neurotransmitters, <coughs> Each of these actually hits one of those neurotransmitters. That's why there's, they're up here. Uh, so you don't want to get over-concentrated on one and ignore all the rest. And then if your in-laws call you or your parents call you and say, I've hurt myself, Remember, first aid is first aid. Just because you're 80 does not make first aid not first aid. If you call your doctor, what, he's what is he going to tell you? Rice. R-I-S-E, rice. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. It's, it's you know, if you're, and just like my dad, he's going to want a magic pill as soon, uh, going with this. There is some medication with this, but it's not narcotics for, from, the, from the first step. You may need some narcotics appropriately dosed, but it's rice. So if they, if they fall and hurt themselves, if you fall and hurt yourself, rice. If you call a doctor, that's what he's going to tell you. If you go in the emergency room, that's what they're going to tell you. They're going to shoot x-rays first, and they're going to call an orthopedic surgeon if you, if you injured something. But what they're going to tell you is 
99% of the time, if you can, if you fall and hurt and you can move with your fingers, if you can do something with your wrist, they're going to go, eh, do this. And then if it hurts in a day or two, go see an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, and same thing for your uh, parents or your in-laws. They will do the same thing. If they fall and hurt themselves and everything functions, this is what you do. And then try to decide down the road. Now, obviously, if they can't move something or it's clearly broken or they have severe pain, you need to go to the, the uh, emergency room. Uh, acute pain. It's easier to prevent pain than it is to treat pain. Once you get into a pain cycle, it's hard to break that cycle. And we, so what we do a lot in the hospital now looks a lot like this. This is what called enhanced surgical recovery. Uh, we actually do this in Guatemala and Africa. Uh, you got to talk to your doctor first because you may have, again, one of these drugs may not work for you. If you have kidney problems, if you have ulcers, like my dad cannot take Motrin at all. Uh, if you have kidney problems, you shouldn't be on a non-steroidal. But what you do is you prevent the pain. pain. A lot of pain is inflammatory or reaction to injury. So you want to do is decrease the inflammation. So acetaminophen uh, every eight hours. You don't wait till you hurt. If you've injured something, just take the medicines and prevent the pain. Don't treat the pain. Uh, so assuming that you have all sorts of normal physiology, you take a acetaminophen, you take a non-steroidal, uh, and that works pretty well. If you're in a hospital or you have prescriptions, the physician may also put you on some gabapentin and some sort of short narcotic. And, you know, and so that's how you work. And so when you're dealing with your parents or talking with your in-laws, same story. If, they get, if they've hurt themselves and they went to the emergency room, they went to the doctor, when you come and talk to them, you have to ask them, what do you put you on? What, why'd you put you, once again, knowing what medicines are you supposed to be on, how long are you supposed to be on them. This is not a, I need to be on this for 60 days or the rest of my life. This is an acute pain which is, for most people, five to seven days. <coughs> and so, you know, that, that's one of the things when we do. Yes? So you do the acetaminophen and the NSAIDs? Yes, they're a totally different class of drugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, they work, they work better together than either one works on, uh, opposite. In fact, if you come into uh, Centennial today, where my home is, uh, if you have GYN surgery, you have a baby, you have a C-section, you have a total joint, Replacement, you're going to get on a protocol that's just like this. And so, in fact, if, if you have a hysterectomy in Guatemala, you're going to be on a protocol that looks just like this, since I wrote it. <laughs> and it, it works really well. Uh, the difference is they're very tough, so they don't take any narcotics. They do, they do the top. In fact, if you do the top three, I have a really good friend whose mother came in for a total knee and throws up for everything. She's a little, she's a little sometimes a little histrionic. And so I said, fine, we're going to do this with zero narcotics. So I, we did that for total knee. One, two, three. She took the zero narcotics. She loved it so much that she came back and we did her other knee on exactly the same protocol. So if you're motivated, this works really, really well. I mean, she'll say, oh, yeah, my knee was a little sore, but it was not so sore I want to take some narcotics. Does it work for acute nerve pain? The acetaminophen, does that help at all? For like acute nerve pain, like herniated discs? Yes. For like, I had to find what time, what you mean? Yes, the answer is yes. Because 
Acute pains are all inflammatory. You've injured your back, uh, and I have inflammation that's pinching a nerve. Like sciatica. Like sciatica. And so uh, you would do acetaminophen, I mean, if I get sick at home, if I hurt myself at home, I do this. I don't have any gabapentin at home. I don't have narcotics at home. Uh, but I, I'll tell you that if you do this for three days, rest, right, and you know, rice, it will treat the vast majority of inflammatory pains. I mean, if you break a bone, this will not work because your, your bone hurts. Uh, you know, if you tear a ligament in your knee, this will not work. That's one, that's one of the uh, indicators that you have something else because a, a baseline pain protocol is not working. Then you've got to say, why is it not working? This is primarily because of the it's Tylenol, uh, incense, and gabapentin is primary anti-inflammatory. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm dialing down all the inflammation, and gabapentin works because that particular the GABA receptor is an, is an amplifier. So what it does is your body is set so that if you hurt, there's an amplification system that says, you need to pay attention to this. Oh, you're not paying attention, let me turn it up. What gabapentin does is turns, it, turns down that amplification so that you can, uh, I mean, because you think about it, you know, you, the story, history's full of stories of people that uh, were doing something, you know, guys playing sports that tore something up, finished the game, then it hurt. Or, you know, uh, uh, medals of valor, uh, honor. You know, I was shot 26 times I cleaned out the rest of the, you know, the enemy. Then I sat down and I looked and I had bullet holes all over. Your body can, in the acute times, can turn pain sensation way, way down. But at some point it will come back and, and that's what uh, the, the nerves that... These four here... What they function as is long-term pain modulators. So they're, they're not acute pain. Acute pain comes from a little substance P and some norepinephrine. That's, you know, if you stab yourself, that's, those are those neurotransmitters. The other ones are the ones that will hang around and say a week later, saying, ouch, it's still sore. And so that's what the pain medicine that you have to take has to modulate that down as it, as it heals. Yes. Uh, for the uh, acetaminophen, is thousand milligrams every eight hours. Is that a thousand at one time? Wait eight hours, take a thousand more. Yes. Five hundred first four, five hundred second. Uh, if if you get a bottle of Tylenol, uh, it will say three twenty five, and you can take two every six hours. Uh, except if you buy extra strength, that's five hundred that you can take two every six hours. Uh, Medical. Well, we know that the limit is 4,000 milligrams a day. And so uh, 1,000 Q8 is 3,000 milligrams, which gives you some wiggle room. And the other thing Jane was talking about is you have to know what else has Tylenol in it. The reason that we ratchet that down is that there's so many other things that have Tylenol in them. Uh, what's the, uh, Goody Powders has Tylenol in it. It's got Motrin in it, too. It's got aspirin in it, too. Uh, NyQuil. NyQuil's got it. And so you have, so that's why, that's why, that's why I said the first thing you do is you want to call your physician to make sure that you're not stacking Tylenol on top. 
but so as long as you kind of understand what you're uh, what you're doing and that you're taking it for a very limited period of time, or you're taking it under a physician's directive here, do this for three days, uh, you're going to be fine. Uh, but like I said, it, and Motrin and Ton all together work better than either one separately. And it, and the other thing is you can also take them at the same time. A lot of people tell you you got to stack, you got alternate them every four hours. All that does is ensure that in the middle of the night you got to wake up if you're hurting and take more pain medicine. Keep it simple, take them every eight hours. Uh, so, but that's and so when you're dealing with your parents or in-laws, if they have an acute injury, you got to decide whether or not they need to go to the emergency room or not. And sometimes if it's just a it's a bruise, you know they fell and they hurt themselves and broke anything, you can get them more uh, comfortable, which then again allows them to get up and around. Because the longer you sit around, bad things happen. What what was your what was your PT? Uh, if you if you move, you improve. Is that? Yeah. If you move, you will improve. Right. Your body is set up to move. So if you move, you will improve. Uh, it's not set up to sit around a long time. And that's what happens is people get injured, or, or they have pain of some sort. And especially get pain, they get on narcotics. Then you, if you're on narcotics, you do not want to move. You want to lay there and nap. Uh, and that's why narcotics need to be very discreet, very short. There, there's a room for I use narcotics all the time, but for very discreet uh, purposes, not for you're hurt. Let me, let me give you some narcotics. And also in Tennessee, you know, back to Jane's slide, wherever that was. If you're a surgery patient, you can get 20 days of opioids. There is not a doctor in Tennessee that's going to give you 20 days of opioids. I can tell you that for sure. What they will do is give you three days or five days, and you're going to have to come back and see them. And the pharmacies, they'll only, and they'll they'll only fill half of it. And they'll only fill half of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they'll make you come back. Even if, the, even if your doctor writes your prescription for 30 days of opioids, the pharmacy will only fill half of it, and you'll have to come back. And then he will get a phone call, because you've got to put the ICD-10 code on here, which I'll guarantee you 90% of your doctors do not know what that is. It's in their computer, but I, I mean, I can't tell you off the top of my head. So, and he's got he's to write a, for narcotics, you've got to handwrite out a prescription. You can't call this in. It has to be on a physical prescription form. It has to be on a duplicated prescription form. Uh, and so, for most of us, what we're doing is post-surgical or something out of the emergency room. So if you're in the emergency room, you're going to get this. You can get three days' worth with no refill, without seeing a doctor. If you're having post-surgery, you might get the 20 days, but the, the reality is they're probably gonna write you 10, and the, the pharmacy will only fill, you, fill half of that, and then they'll give an automatic refill when you come back. So Tennessee's doing some good things to decrease the amount of narcotic addiction and narcotics on the street. Uh, we've still got a long way to go.